You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. I trust you've all had a good week. My name is Andrew Murray. I'm a student at Peace River Bible Institute in northern Alberta, and I'm very honored and humbled to be able to share a message with you from God's Word this morning. So before I took off to Bible school in 2017, I'd lived here in Kelowna for about 13 years, and from 2014 to 2017, I attended uh, what was then called Harvest Bible Chapel, and now, of course, is Hope Bible Church. And... Hope Bible Church played a big part in shaping who I am today, so uh, in a way it's fitting that I get to preach my first official sermon to a congregation here at Hope Bible Church. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. So if you don't have your Bibles, grab your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be reading for John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. So uh, let's open our Bibles and get into God's Word together. So John 14, verses 1 to 6, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So have you sat back in the last few months or years and asked yourself, what is going on in our world today? You know, I'm still pretty young at 40 years old, but the changes that I have seen in the last 10 or 15 years have been quite staggering. And as of March of this year, it seems like our whole world has been turned upside down. Every time we turn on the news, we hear about coronavirus and we're wondering, when is this all going to end? We're seeing the rise of social unrest and tension between different groups and people, the rise of anti-police and anti-government sentiment, not only in the United States, but in many parts around the world. We hear of storms and locust plagues and rumors of war, and if you're familiar with God's word, you might be wondering if perhaps we're living in the last days. And with all that's going on in the world, This can be a great motivator for fear and anxiety to creep into our lives. We wonder about the uncertainty of the future. What is going to happen to our families, our finances, our homes, our jobs? Is life going to go back to normal? And this morning I want to ask you, whoever is listening, believer or unbeliever, is your heart troubled? Are you anxious about the uncertainty of the future? Because you see, if your heart is troubled, there is hope. And that brings us to our first point. There is hope when our hope is in Jesus Christ. 
You know, lately I've been thinking about the condition of our world and the uncertainty of the future and the uncertainty of my future. And I've been wondering if my faith would hold up in difficult times. If I was to experience suffering and persecution for my faith, or if I was to lose my job or my savings, how would I react? And in a way, my heart was troubled. And I was asking God, how can I be prepared for difficult times? and to be faithful to you in the midst of whatever difficulties may come in this life. But Jesus says to the disciples and to us in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. And Jesus is not suggesting that they be not troubled, but this is actually an imperative in the Greek. It is a command. Jesus commands us not to be troubled but rather to replace that inner fear and turmoil with the confidence and hope that is found in him. And my problem was, and still to some extent is, that I'm putting too much stock in this life and the things of this world. And sadly, this is the case for many of us. We focus on wealth and relationships and houses and careers and status and, and getting all we can out of this life. And we think that in the end, these things are going to satisfy us and make us happy and perhaps even deliver us, but really they won't. And we cling to these things and are fearful that we're going to lose them and we put our hope and trust in them when really we should be putting our hope and trust in Christ. And the cares and anxieties of life begin to weigh on us and so often, as was the case with myself, we will try to find ways to block out the fear and anxiety by medicating ourselves and filling that void in our heart with all sorts of different things that don't seem to satisfy. Perhaps it's social media or binge-watching Netflix or alcohol or drugs, whatever it may be. And certainly there is a lot going on in our world and in our personal lives that can cause us to be anxious. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you putting your hope and trust? Where are you turning to calm your troubled heart? You know, for years I was running from the Lord. I was one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I was living here in Kelowna and working and so caught up in the Kelowna lifestyle. Playing hockey on a Friday night down at Prospera Place and going out on the town afterwards to Cactus Club or Moxie's. But at the same time, I was not happy and I felt an uneasiness inside. I remember one time we were playing hockey downtown and the guys were going out afterwards and they asked me if I wanted to come out and I did. And we went to a popular establishment down on the water right downtown. And I remember being there and sensing a sort of darkness and heaviness over the place, and just this feeling that I had to get out of there. And I believe that during those times and during those years, the Lord was nudging me to stop turning to these empty things that don't satisfy and come back to him. And not that going to Moxie's or Cactus Club is wrong, but I certainly wasn't going there to witness to my buddies, but rather it was an escape, an escape from my troubles and worries. You see, I believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but I didn't trust him. 
that he could fill that void in my heart and that I could find true happiness in him. I was too concerned, consumed with the pleasures and things of this world instead of putting my hope and trust in the Lord. But I soon found out that putting my hope and trust in the pleasures and things of this world don't make you happy either and don't satisfy that empty space inside. And deep down inside, I was a very unhappy and troubled individual. But the Lord doesn't want us to be troubled. And instead of putting our hope and trust in the things of this world and this life, he wants us to put our hope and trust in him. And it wasn't until I began to put my trust in Christ that I began to have peace in my heart. And so Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, the disciples had given up everything to follow Christ. Family, jobs, everything. And Jesus had been dropping hints to them that he's going to be leaving them. And at the end of chapter 13, John chapter 13, Jesus even told Peter that Peter was going to deny him. And the disciples are probably a little freaked out. They might be thinking, oh great, we've left everything to follow Jesus, but now he's leaving us and Peter is going to deny him. Are we going to deny him too? But in verse one, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And what Jesus is really saying to the disciples and to us is not to believe both in God and him, as if believing in God is separate from believing in Jesus Christ, but rather believe in God, the God who is accessible and made manifest in Jesus himself. You see, God is revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person which means that Jesus is the exact representation, the exact character of God. That word believe also means to trust. We can trust Jesus, not only because he's the exact representation and exact character of God, but because Jesus is God. John 1 verses 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, God's divine expression, Jesus Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Not the word was a God, as if Jesus is just one God among many gods, but the word was God. You see, Jesus is God. And this passage goes on to say that all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus is God the creator of the universe. And Jesus asks us to put our hope and trust in him and invites us into a relationship with him that will last for all eternity and that can satisfy every longing of your heart. And I think deep down that's what each of us really wants is peace and contentment and assurance. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine, Come to me, All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
There is hope for the troubled soul and for the troubled heart, and it is found in Jesus Christ. There is also hope for the troubled heart because God has prepared a place for us in eternity. In verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Have you ever been away from home for a long time and you were homesick and you just wanted to go home? I remember I was 19 and I took off to Australia for nine months and I had a bit of a prodigal son episode and towards the end of the trip, I was just worn out and I just wanted to go home. I remember getting on the plane and all I had was a dollar and 51 cents to my name. I didn't even have enough money to get to the airport. I had to beg a taxi driver to drive me to the airport and he did. And I remember getting on the plane and being so relieved and flying into Vancouver and remember flying into Vancouver and circling around the Fraser Valley and looking at the mountains and the familiarity of the landscape and I was so relieved. I was like, yes, I'm home. And yes, we love our homes we have on earth, but our eternal home, which God has prepared for us, is going to be a million times better than here on earth and we'll get to spend eternity in heaven in the presence of God. And I've had some conversations with people about heaven and I've often heard people say, well, heaven seems like it might be kind of boring. I don't know if I would want to live forever. How good can it be? But 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, sadly, many people in our world believe that this life is all there is and, and that you only live once, so live it up and get as much as you can out of this life because one day we'll be gone and that's it. That there's nothing after death, we just cease to exist. You know, probably one of the greatest fears we have is the fear of death and the uncertainty of death. When will I die and what happens to me after I die? And I believe that we all want to be ready. I remember back in high school, a bunch of us were coming home from a bush party at about two or three in the morning. And my buddy was driving and he was one of these guys that you went to school with who always seemed to crash their vehicle and roll their vehicle. And so he's driving and we're screaming down this country road at about 150 kilometers an hour. And I remember getting being so nervous and sort of curling up in the back seat and leaning my head against the window and praying lord please don't take my life you see i was afraid to die because i knew in my heart i wasn't ready to stand before god but we can be ready by putting our hope in jesus christ and he has prepared a place for us in heaven for everyone who puts their hope and trust in him you see life isn't just this temporary meaningless existence where we just live out a few short years here on earth and and then you die and that's it you're you're gone that seems so hopeless and depressing no god has a plan for us in eternity and even here now in this life 
And I won't lie to you, just because we come to know and have a relationship with Christ, that doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. But we can have the hope and assurance of eternal life and no longer be haunted by the fear and uncertainty of death because we know that where our God is, where Jesus is, there we will be also. And we can't even begin to comprehend how awesome it is going to be in heaven for those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that gives us hope. No matter how dim the prospects of this life may seem, no matter how difficult life gets, no matter how much suffering or misfortune we experience in this life, we have the assurance from Jesus himself that we have an eternal home waiting for us and the joy we will experience we can't even begin to imagine. All the pain and hurt we experienced in this life will just seem like a small bump in the road when we go home to be with the Lord in heaven. And finally, we have hope because Jesus has made a way for us. Notice in verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? And in this world that seems so hopeless, there's many people looking for hope and asking themselves the same question. How can we know the way? There are so many religions and gods out there. How do we know which is the right one? What is the way that leads to heaven? You see, we were created in the image of God. And when we don't know God as revealed through Jesus Christ, we have a void in our heart and so often people will seek out spirituality or new age practices or, or whatever it may be to try and satisfy that spiritual longing that is missing. But nothing fulfills. Many are searching for a way, a way that leads to hope and fulfillment. Or on the other hand, there are many who believe that there are many ways to heaven and that all religions lead us to the one true God and that we all share the same God, that whatever way is your way is good and whatever way to, for, to God for me is good and that whatever, whatever it is, it all leads us to the same God. You see, we have a tendency to create a God for ourselves that caters to our wants and needs so we can live any kind of lifestyle we want and, and God loves us and accepts us anyways. And in most cases, it's a God that doesn't judge sin and as long as you are a good person, you are accepted by God. But what does God's word have to say about this? In verse six, Jesus answers this question and says that the path to hope and joy and peace and to a relationship with God is found in him and only him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me. Notice Jesus says, I am the way. Not I am one of the ways, but I am the way. The only way to a relationship with God. The only way to forgiveness of sins. The only way to eternal life. Many have twisted the meaning of the passage of this scripture. You know, years ago, I had someone in the church tell me that what is meant by this verse is 
Not that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God, but rather living like Jesus did is the way. Being kind and compassionate and helping out and feeding the poor, this is the way to eternal life. You work your way to heaven by doing good works. You don't even have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As long as you live a life like Jesus did, that is the way to God. You see, if all roads led to the same God, there would have been no reason for Jesus to come to earth and die on the cross for our sin. And yes, Jesus encourages us to love one another and feed the poor and fight injustice. But doing these things apart from a relationship with Christ will not get you into heaven. Doing good works won't get you into heaven, period. Just like it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is all through what Jesus did. By dying on the cross and paying the penalty for our sin, Jesus made a way for us to have a relationship with God and have eternal life. Jesus is the only way. And many people don't like the idea of Jesus being the only way. It sounds so exclusive. But I heard someone say years ago and sum it up perfectly when he said, we shouldn't be upset that there's only one way. We should just be happy that God has provided a way. God has provided a way for us to have eternal life. We don't have to die in our sins and go to a Christless godless eternity in hell. God has provided a way because he loves his creation and desires that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As it says in 1 Timothy 2.4, God's offer of salvation extends to all his creation and the way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. Not only is Jesus the way, but he is also the truth in that he is the full manifestation and revelation of God. Jesus says and does according to God's will. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And in John 1.14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God has revealed the truth about himself in his word and has revealed the truth about ourselves in that although we think we are good people, we are lost, sinful individuals and without hope unless we receive and know Jesus as our personal Savior. And Jesus speaks the truth always and will never lie to you. If there were many ways to God, he would have told us. But the truth in reality is, there is no other way to eternal life except through him. And it is so important that we grasp this understanding of who Jesus is. Where you will spend eternity depends on it. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way 
that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The truth is all other roads lead to death, eternal death, separated from God forever. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But in the second half of that same verse, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus gives us eternal life. And eternal life doesn't begin the moment you die, but rather begins the moment you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you put your hope and trust in him. And perhaps you're wondering, how can I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have my sins forgiven and have eternal life? Well, the first thing is to acknowledge that you have sinned against God. You see, none of us can say that we are without sin. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as the scripture says. Whether you have told a lie or stolen something or had hatred in your heart towards another person, or you might be a violent criminal and have done some horrendous things. But you see, the sacrifice that Jesus made by dying on the cross cleanses us of all sin. It doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you've done it. We just need to admit to God that we have sinned and ask for forgiveness. And when we ask for forgiveness out of a sincere and repentant heart, 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All your sins will be forgiven. And when you ask for forgiveness, you then repent, which means to change your mind and, and to change your ways. You turn, you've been going in one direction and you turn and go the other direction and follow Jesus and put your hope and trust in him and he will give you a new heart and a new mind and a new life. You know, Ephesians chapter two talks about how we were spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, but made alive through Christ Jesus and seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. How that those that know Jesus as Lord and Savior are already, in a sense, seated in heaven with Christ Jesus, even now. You see, there is hope for the troubled heart and this troubled world. And whoever you are watching this, I want you to know that God, the creator of the universe, he loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And we can know him through his son, Jesus Christ. And we can have a hope that will never perish and the assurance of an eternal home, an eternal resting place in the presence of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And we just thank you that even in the midst of these troubled times and, and whatever is going on in our lives, Lord, you desire us to run to you. You can satisfy every longing in our heart, Lord God. And you have provided a way for us, a way to have our sins forgiven, a way to eternal life. And it is through your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord God. And I just pray for whoever's watching this, Lord, that, that you would do a work in their life, Lord. And, and that whoever doesn't know you would come to know you and have a relationship with you, Lord.
Lord, we thank you so much. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.